still preaching and still uh, sharing the word of God with people um, in all sorts of uh, interesting places. And, and uh, that has to include Port Macquarie. Now, that's, that's great. Thanks, the drifts. Okay, I won't do that. <laughs> I'll just, I, have a, I have a way with technology. It's uh, something like demolition happens. Um, there we go. Um, yeah, look, it, it really has been my privilege for a long time now to to be uh, preaching the gospel. The Lord has taken me to a lot of places I never expected to be and uh, given me great opportunities to work with some fabulous people in, um, in a variety of nations around the world. And they are... Uh, um, there really are some wonderful people in the body of Christ who are serving God in places where they do it tough. And people like me get to go and visit them for a short time and uh, pretend that I've been uh, you know, doing it tough, but only for five minutes, you know. And they are there day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, faithfully serving God. And I count it a great honour to uh, just be able to try to encourage them uh, along the way. Okay. Anyone looks like they're going to sleep, I'm going to kick that, right? <laughs> so you'll, you'll, you'll wake up. <laughs> Uh, praise the Lord. Um, yeah, I, I'd really, I, I just, before we get into the word, I just want to make sure you understand that I, I, um, I am just a, a bloke from South Australia originally who um, has had a very messy um, um, teenage period when I was uh, invited to leave school. Um, and... Uh, and I got into all sorts of trouble all over the place. But, and I, I wasn't looking for God. I, I was looking for anything but God, really. Um, and, uh, uh, and then he found me and just interrupted where I was headed and completely transformed my life, just changed me. And uh, I, I was um, almost 18 when I uh, came to Christ. That's a very long time ago now. Uh, that was back in November 1967. And uh, so uh, uh, ever since then, I've just had a burning desire to share Christ with people. And it just is the most wonderful privilege that uh, any of us can have. And the good thing is, we can all have it. Right? It's not just for a few people who are specially called. Uh, it's for all of us. We get to gossip the gospel wherever we go. We get to share Jesus with all of our friends and neighbours and enemies or whoever comes into range. We get to share Christ with them. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, so I want us to have a look at the book of Colossians. One of the great things about the early church, um, or the early churches, because they were all local churches in, in different locations, uh, one of the great things about them is that they were uh, nearly as messed up as churches are today. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've often had people say to me, well, 
<coughs> we want to be like the New Testament church. And I went, well, which one? <laughs> you know? uh, perhaps the, the Galatians who got so legalistic, Paul had to tear strips off them and sort them out. Um, or, or perhaps the charismaniacs in Corinth uh, where they, they were just all about you know, exercising the gifts louder than anyone else so they could draw more attention to themselves and, 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 and again Paul had to sort them out and, and the result of all of that is that we have a whole lot of books in the New Testament which were actually letters written by people like Paul uh, to those churches to deal with their issues. And if they hadn't had those issues, we wouldn't have those letters in this book. And they're so very valuable. And the issue in, in Colossae um, basically was that they were trying to mix Christianity with their old religions and with any new philosophy that came along and it's called syncretism it's just trying to to mix everything together so that it all blends and and becomes one um, people today suggest that the churches should adopt that attitude and be more tolerant and more accepting of other you know philosophies and and, and religious um, points of view and so on but um, the bible doesn't encourage that at all uh, and in fact uh, uh, we should be very open and inclusive and and welcoming of everybody in terms of loving them including loving them enough to tell them that there is only one way into relationship with God and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we love those who are devout in any other form of religion and we can admire their devotion uh, but we have to come to a point eventually where we point out they're missing the mark. They, they can put in all that effort and they're going to miss out unless they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's hard to do. You know, there was a, a buzzword around a few years ago, or maybe a couple of decades ago now, called friendship evangelism. Uh, and, and for people like me, uh, it was so easy for that to be more friendship than evangelism. Uh, because when we make friends with someone, the idea is we make, establish that friendship and then we can share Christ with them because we've earned the right to be heard by them as a friend. Um, trouble is, when I've gone to the trouble of making a friend, I don't want to lose them. I don't want to take the risk of saying something that might cut across that friendship. And, and so I had to you know, stir myself up and say, hey, come on, this is friendship evangelism, right? Underline the evangelism bit and be prepared to take that risk of actually sharing the gospel with them. Um, 
And uh, that reminds me of a uh, a saying that I, I a quote I heard just the other day again um, that if I don't get it, say it now I'll get it it'll be in my head all day and uh, yeah so I'm going to say it it's uh, from Brother Andrew Are you familiar with Brother Andrew the the Dutch guy who who used to uh, smuggle Bibles uh, across the Iron Curtain uh, and into China as well and the whole movement set up by him um, and, and called uh, Open Doors and uh, and so they. They have um, you know, this this thing. Well, he used to go in uh, amazing stuff. He used to pull up at a at a checkpoint where the guards were were searching the vehicles, and and, and he, his vehicle, his little Volkswagen, was uh, uh, piled high with Bibles, out in plain sight because there, there wasn't enough room in a Volkswagen to hide enough Bibles, <laughs> and and so he's he's got them all sitting there, and he would just pull up there, and he'd say, "Well, Lord." You've made blind eyes see. Would you please now make seeing eyes blind and get me through this? And time after time, he got through. They just had a look in the car and waved him on through. And uh, amazing. Well, well his, this quote that I heard from him um, was, don't take care, take a risk. Uh, love it. Don't take care, take a risk. Of course, there's times we have to take care. But you know, when, when there's the call of God involved, when there's an opportunity to share Christ with someone, take the risk. Yeah. Take the risk. Take the risk. There's someone else uh, wrote a song that says something very similar. It's about... Um, uh, yeah, I forget most of the words now, but, but, but it, the, the title is, is I Hope You'll Dance. Uh, when, when you get to make the choice, when you sit it out or stand up and dance, I hope you'll dance. Same thing, take the risk. Step out, get into life, get into serving the Lord and uh, you will find great joy in all of that. So this church in Colossae was really messed up because they were trying to add all these other ingredients to Christianity. Christianity is about Jesus Christ plus Nothing. All right? Plus nothing. It's not about religion. It's, not, it's, it's about just putting our trust in the man, Jesus Christ, who is also the Son of God, came to this earth, lived the only perfect human life ever, and then gave that life as a sacrifice for our sin. And uh, because he died and then rose again three days later, uh, we can be forgiven for all of our sin. His blood washes us clean and we now can be in right relationship with God. And that right relationship is going to go on forever, forever. Ever. I used to hear people talk about living forever and I used to think, come on, you've got to be joking. I wouldn't want that. <clears throat> that was before I understood what real living is. And it's not going to be life as we know it. It's not going to be trying to get things moving every morning like <laughs> seem to have to now. Good grief, I've picked up a guitar after a very long time. thought, I better, I better make this thing work again. I better try and you know, do this and... And you wouldn't believe how hard it is to move those fingers. It's just amazing. Um, and I'm still young, right? So, so come on. I wouldn't want to go on living like that forever. 
but living in relationship with God, oh, man, it's, it's, it's so great, and it is going to continue forever. Nothing can take us away from that relationship. So the focus when Paul writes to Colossae to sort them out uh, is naturally enough Jesus Christ. Uh, that's his focus. And we're going to break in somewhere in the middle here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I got I to gotta stop saying these trigger words. I just, I just as soon as I... As soon as I say break in, there's something pops into my, into my head. I've got to get my memory sorted one day. And Appropriate, not appropriate, not now, you know, all, all that stuff. But as soon as I say break in, I remember someone coming up to me and, and, and say, oh, you know, you're always breaking into song. Uh, yeah? I said, well, if you could find the key, you wouldn't have to break in. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hopefully that one's gone now as well. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, hang on. Did you just have to explain that to a musician? Yeah. Really? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, cool. I like it. I like it. Uh, okay. So we're going to break into Paul's uh, statements here in uh, chapter 1 and uh, from verse 19 where it says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God was wanting to reconcile everything that was somehow alienated from him. We understand that sin really began in heaven before it began in the Garden of Eden. When Lucifer rebelled against God, puffed himself up, thought, I'm, I, I can be as good as God, at least as good, if not better. I could, I could take over here. And, uh, and that was uh, the beginning of sin, that kind of pride, that kind of rebellion. And he was thrown out of sin. And it, it seems from this that, that even in heaven itself, things were somehow out of kilter from that time on. And reconciliation had to be made. There had to be a restoration of the, the shalom of God, the, the, the total peace of God. And, uh, and so uh, things in the, in the heavens and also uh, things on earth. And, and that includes people, but it's not just people. You know, the, the salvation that, that Christ purchased is inclusive of all of God's creation. It's, we get so self-centered. You think it's all about us, and and as the the pinnacle of God's creation, humanity is hugely important and, and fills a big place in the heart of God. But God loves everything. 
that he created and everything that has been affected by sin. And, and those effects are profound. They, they're, they're everywhere uh, in this world. And, but God loves all the, all the animals, all the birds, all the trees, everything. You know, I, I think it's a shame sometimes that Christians kind of back away from the whole um, you know, environmentalist thing. We kind of leave, leave the leadership of that to people who don't, even know the creator what what are they looking after if they don't know it's god's creation and so we we need to you know rethink some of this stuff and 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 i i um didn't used to care much about animals and you know you hear something's gone extinct i'd say well they've probably got it on video somewhere if i want to have a look i can i can do that Um, but but it, it struck me one day that that you know, everything in the universe emits sound because sound comes from... Yeah, okay, Siri, you can yeah, take, a, take a rest. <laughs> um, uh, sound comes from movement, from vibration. You know, when you were hitting those strings, it's the, the movement of the strings causes the sound and if you... If you get it right there, the sound comes out right there. Okay, it's, it's about the, the the frequency of vibration, and everything in creation emits sound. It's like like creation is meant to be a symphony of praise to God. It's it's worship, and when something is extinct, that sound, that frequency is not going to be heard for the rest of the symphony. It's not going to be there anymore. And so I think we do have um, a responsibility to care uh, for all of God's creation. How did I get on that? That was not my intention at all. Um, But nobody shot me, so I guess it's okay here. all right, so, so God is about reconciling all things to himself. And he does it, does it all through the blood of Christ shed on the cross. So that physical human blood of Christ is very important. We just had communion and, uh, and you know, that emblem that we take, has it ever struck you that it's strange that we don't use physical things generally in our worship? I mean, we, you know, we have instruments and things like that, but, but you, don't, you can worship without that. You can, you can, you can um, just worship God any, anywhere. Best to do it together as well as alone but but you know, we don't need props when it's time to pray we don't need a, a string of beads or something to to help us to to pray you know we, we don't even need a particular physical posture we don't have to kneel sometimes we feel like kneeling we kneel sometimes we feel like sitting we sit sometimes we we, we sit, sitting becomes too comfortable we need to stand for a while and and uh, so we you know that doesn't matter our physical posture it's the posture of the heart that matters when when we pray we are to worship god in spirit and in truth not not with a particular form 
of worship. Um, and yet we come week after week and we take these physical things. You know, that cup of juice and that, that little wafer or a bit of bread or whatever we use, and, and it's very physical. And I think, you know, why is that? Well, it's reminding us of what Jesus did in his physical body when he became one of us. You know, we're coming up to Easter again already. I know this because I've had some cross buns already. Uh, we, we we're coming around to Easter again, but there's no Easter without Christmas. You know, there's no Christ on the cross without the Son of God becoming incarnate as a human being. In, incarnate just means living in flesh. So he became one of us so that he could shed his physical blood uh, and so that his physical body could hang on that cross. This is very important, especially when we realise we see it, see it here in Paul because, because he's writing to the Colossians one of the strange teachings they were mixing in was a thing that we call docetism uh, from a Greek word, everything. Who, who saw my big fat Greek wedding? All right, you understand, everything comes from the Greek, all right? Um, so so this, this Greek word dokeo means uh, I seem or I appear. So docetism is the doctrine that Jesus didn't really have a physical body. He just seemed to have one. He just seemed to be human. And he appeared that way. The, the thought behind it was that um, <clears throat> everything spiritual is holy and good. Everything physical is, is sinful. It's corrupt. It's bad. Uh, and and uh, so Jesus, I mean, the Son of God surely could not actually be physical, could not actually have a real human body, which means that it wasn't real blood that was, was spilled on the cross, it would just seem to be. And, uh, and so the whole thing fades off into this kind of mystical, nonsensical realm. And Paul wants to bring it right back here by talking about uh, God was making peace through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. He goes on, verse 21 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Um, well, that could have been translated as, as, as evidenced by your, your evil behaviour. That's a message for another day. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Just before we get all excited about that last little bit, notice the emphasis there on he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Paul is saying to these people, Get your heads out of the clouds. Throw away all of that philosophical nonsense that you're, you're tr trying to bring on board and realise that God works with flesh. All right? it, Jesus has a real physical body 
which was nailed to that cross. It was real human blood that was shed for us. The blood of someone who had never sinned. And uh, so he was paying the penalty for our sin. <coughs> and in, the, in all of that process, he says, but now he has reconciled you. Nothing else to be done. It's already happened. God has reconciled us to himself through what Jesus did on the cross. That's exciting. It is. And and it goes on to to say, um, uh, through death, to, to present you holy in his sight. Now, couldn't God have just looked at us and said, oh, well, you know, they're not too bad. I'll, I'll just pretend they're holy. But the answer is no. There's a scripture that says that, says that uh, God is too holy to look on sin. He can't stand it. That's why when Jesus on that cross became sin for us, took our sin on himself, the Father had to turn away. And that's why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He expected all the disciples to forsake him, even Pete, even though Peter said, They might, I, I never will. Yeah, right, we all know how that went. But, uh, uh, but, but Jesus seemed so stunned that even his father turned away from him. For the first time ever in all of eternity, the eternal Son of God experienced fatherlessness. <clears throat> and I know some theologians try to tell us that, um, that God can't suffer. Um, but I guarantee you that in that moment, the Father experienced the loss of his Son. That eternal relationship was broken momentarily, but broken to invite us in. Oh, man. I tell you, <laughs> uh, this is this is just a tad exciting, um, and I've got to be careful. I had a, a quintuple bypass recently. I'm not supposed to get overexcited, but I'm reading the Word of God. <laughs> Of course I'm going to get excited. <laughs> All right. Um, so th- that's what God does. He, he presents us to himself. That's what reconciliation is. He's removed our sin. He presents us to himself without spot, without blemish. There is nothing on our record. It's all gone when we stand before him. All he sees is that we are made holy. And then there's that little word, if, in the beginning of verse 23. And I can almost hear people saying, Ah, yeah, I knew that would have to be there. I knew it was too good to be true. (laughs) That word, if, is followed by these words. If. You continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that is held out 
in the gospel. What Paul's doing there is the opposite of adding a whole lot of things that we have to do to maintain our holiness. He's saying, no, all you need is to stay in your faith, to keep believing that when Jesus did it in, on the cross, he did everything that was necessary. He made you holy so that you can now stand before the Father and be accepted by him. And that will be the case for all eternity. You don't add anything to that. You don't add for new philosophies or extra bits of, you know, kind of esoteric knowledge and, and, and mystical stuff to it. You stay in that simple faith in the gospel. And, uh, and you don't add a whole lot of good works to it. You, you will find yourself doing some good works because of the change that God has made in your life, but you're not doing those works in order to maintain your position with God. Now you just It's a natural outflow of who he has made you to be as a new creation in Christ. So all you do, Paul says, is continue in your faith, established and firm. And again, he goes on through the next chapter or so, so saying over and over, um, don't believe all these different philosophies. Make sure no one takes you captive by high-sounding ideas. You know, just stay in that simple faith in Christ. And so, uh, just to finish off and... and I'm, I'm being told it's time to finish. It's okay. I'm, I, I get the hint. <laughs> That's why you want kids in church. <laughs> um, but, but I just want to finish with just going back a little bit uh, from where we were. Um, this is Paul's prayer for these people in the church at Colossae and it's uh, also his prayer for all of us in whatever church. And... Um, he, he says, well, well, we'll take it from verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. You see, Paul is not just saying, Believe and then do whatever you like. Because <laughs> he knows that if you really believe, you will be so changed inside that what you will like to do is the things that please God. You know? so, so you will find yourself doing those things and not doing a whole bunch of things that you used to do. Some of those things take a while to drop off, at least for me. I don't, you guys might find it real easy. But, uh, uh, but, but we, yeah, it's not about us striving to be holy. It's about us realising he has made us holy. Let's live that way. Let's live it out. Um, and so uh, we please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience 
and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who, get this, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. He has qualified us through what Jesus did. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Get that? It's past tense. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have it all. All because of his generosity and his power his sacrifice on the cross. Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Without him we were hopelessly and eternally lost. With him we are reconciled to you. We are made holy. We are able to stand in your presence and feel right at home. And we will do forever thank you Father in the wonderful name of Jesus Amen Amen Amen